This is Text, Prose, and Rock and Roll on Fireside. Good evening, everyone. I hope you're all well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Extra special thanks to a couple of folks who are going to join me up here on the stage in just a second. I'm Chris Kosach from Text, Prose, and Rock and Roll, the book and film club that rocks. And today we're going to be talking about something that's a bit of a peripheral in the music industry, but Britney Spears and her trials and tribulations, and whether or not her performance as a child has led to her current uh, situation with her conservancy. So I'm going to bring up my podcast producer, Charlene Goto, and also invite one of our guests up immediately. So uh, with no further ado, I'm going to have Charlene go ahead and give us some headlines on Brittany to tee us up here, and then we will in, we'll introduce everybody. Yeah, so uh, Chris, you know, uh, we were just talking about this a minute ago in the green room you know you and i we, we we tend to like come up with like hey what little nugget should we talk about on fireside this week and it always ends up us being like oh my gosh we just like hit like this big softball into the park of something awesome and and i'm really excited about today's show uh so i just wanted to go into a little timeline of it uh, you know back in uh february this documentary called framing Britney Spears by the New York Times dropped on Hulu and it just kind of caught like wildfire because it kind of brought to light the whole free Britney movement and what's been going on. My name is Chris Kosach. I created this program to highlight the written account of music from memoirs to band bios and the occasional rock doc too. We're the only book club but it, you know, she's we're been the only book club then, of so its kind, and we kind rock of, you know, literally. Except for her die-hard we're the only book Britain club that rocks and liter- this documentary literally. Literally, this is text, prose, and it's rock just, and roll. It was just like the kind of the talk of the town for for months until June, when um, playlist one, Brittany the best rock docs of two thousand twenty. You know, her, her, uh, she basically talked about you know what it was doing to her life and how she felt about it. Text, prose, and rock and roll was created, written, and produced by yours truly in association with GoTo Productions, Charlene Goto, producer. Thank you for listening and getting the word out about our... Thanks for listening and getting the word out about our show. And if you haven't done it yet, please follow us on Instagram and tell a friend. And tell a friend or two. You can find us online at textprosrockandroll.com. And yes, we do take requests. For Text Pros and Rock and Roll, I'm Chris Kosach. Rock on. to see what she's been through. And it's, you know, it roots down to like being, wanting to be with her kids and then being in the limelight and having that kind of scrutiny people saying oh we care about you how are you doing while you're sitting in a car with light bulbs flashing into your car because you're wanting to try to see your children so here we are uh chris and and you you and i are doing this show for for tpr and for and for fireside uh to talk about mental health and growing up in spotlight yeah thank you so much charlene so uh i'm putting the fortune cookie for those of you who were brand new to the platform today Welcome. Thank you for joining us. I am currently putting in the little fortune cookie. So I've I've put a little link in there to the bios of our guests today. We have a distinguished panel to talk about these issues and what Brittany may be going through. And that now that our society is a little more 
keen to mental health and how horrible this can be, especially on children and being present and thoughtful and genuine and sincere and having a a positive outlook for the rest of your life. Uh, I wanted to bring to the stage a couple of our distinguished guests today, which include Allison Porter, who we're very lucky to have. Thank you so much, Leah, for reaching out to Allison earlier. Um, Everybody, please give a warm welcome to Allison Porter. Uh, You know her from the film Curly Sue and Cheaper by the Dozen and perhaps The Voice, which she won on season 10. My gosh, lady, you're amazing. And now apparently you're sitting in a closet hiding from children, (laughs) which is pretty close to what I'm doing. It's birthday party time, but, um, but I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I understand you're very passionate about this this topic. And so we are very, very lucky to have you, especially on such short notice. Tell me, how did you come to acting as a child? Was it your idea? Did it look like fun? Or did someone suggest it to you? Uh, I grew up um, in a dance studio. My grandmother owned a dance studio in Massachusetts. And there were casting directors that kind of came in and out and auditioned some of the kids for commercials and whatnot. And, um, I think I just sort of like got the bug from seeing that and wanting to be like the older girls and ended up just telling my mom, you know, like I want to do that. And she said, okay, you can try it. And if, you know, nothing happens then whatever, we'll go back to our life. And then, um, I did, I think like 40 national commercials between the ages of like three and five and then, uh, ended up on star search, which got me an agent and a manager. And then it was kind of just happened from there. Was it one of those things where your family picked up, changed their lives, left Massachusetts, came to Hollywood and settled for you? We did do that. My mother actually met some, my stepfather who they're still married um, today, um, uh, when we were at a convention, I was performing for star search and he was pitching a show, um, that he had created called it's showtime at the Apollo. And he was the creator and executive producer and director of that show. Wow. Yeah. They met there and the rest is kind of history. So yes, we moved after star search before they got, you know, met each other. Um, we had moved, to LA, just my mom and I just, I think, you know, for like a pilot season to see what would happen. Um, and then they ended up meeting. And so after that, we, we did move, uh, to LA permanently. And, and what age were you when this happened? I was five, I was five, five, five and a half. That's young. Do you remember your first few auditions in Hollywood? I remember some, but uh, I more remember, you know, like the friends that I would see at auditions. And that was, you know, to me, that was like more exciting. So no, I don't really remember specific auditions. There were, I'm sure, a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I remember for any- auditioning for Curly Sue. That I, that I can remember. You do? Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So it looks fun for any child to, to go in and be on a TV show. But as we all know it's a long road to get there, right? What is the reality of going to these auditions and, and, uh, getting out of school and what is the reality of that and the rejection? 
I mean, it is fun. Um, I mean, it's all fun until and as long as you're cared for properly and you are um, parented properly, which luckily, you know, I mean, even though I've had like my fair share of struggles, um, you know, I, I was protected. So, um, you know, rejection is part of the job. And I think you learn that at an early age. It's a trial and error. Sometimes you're working all the time. Sometimes you're, you know, you're not working at all. But I can remember um, I had a manager, Dolores Robinson, and she used to tell me, if you get one out of 40, we're doing really good. So it was like, that was a pretty like gnarly trajectory. 40, one out of 40, we're doing really good. Okay. So I think, you know, and I, and I was probably booking pretty consistently, um, for, you know, for a long time I, I worked nonstop. Um, so I was lucky, you know, I was definitely on, on the luckier side of things when it came to booking jobs. Um, you know, the side of it, I guess that's a little wonky is once you're in the, the industry and once you are sort of a sought after child actor, that's when things start to get a little funky. You know, what people expect of you, how people expect you to act, um, not going in, you know, into a regular school setting, um, you know, being told that you're amazing all the time and then, um, you know, given all these perks and all these things and then sort of returning to regular life, which then can be really confusing. So it's that, it's kind of after you're in it, I think that things need to stay really balanced. And, um, luckily for me, for the most part, you know, there was a lot of that, a lot more of that than not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. I want to get to that bubble, that celebrity bubble that you're starting to talk about a little bit. But before I do so, we also have with us Natasha Sattler. Uh, Natasha, if you would unmute yourself, I'd like to welcome you to the sure. show. Thank you for joining us today. You also Hi. have done a heck of a lot of acting from the West Wing to Orange Crush and lots of, of shorts, Tosh.0. Oh. Uh, did you have the same positive experience that Allison is discussing? I mean, I had a sort of mixed bag of experiences. So I was on the East Coast for most of my acting career. Grew up outside Washington, D.C. and did some out of New York. Um, so it was a little bit in L.A., but I would say at least half was more East Coast. And the vibes between the two I found to be quite stark, where some people were more direct on one side and, and maybe more accommodating on the other. Um, but now I work it as a producer and I make uh, the national commercials Allison was talking about uh, from the production side. And now that I get to see a lot more of the back end of it, I do see how impersonal a lot of things can be where one out of 40 is probably true, but it's one out of 40 um, that 39 had nothing to do with the person. It just had to do with what fit in the puzzle. Right, right. That's interesting. Do you find as a producer that you go a little more, you tread lightly on the children because they might be more sensitive or are, are children just little people? Uh, it depends on what it is. So we've, I've done several commercials that require skill sets, uh, riding a bike, 
being able to swim, whatever that may be. And there's enough occasions where parents really badly want it for their kid. And they'll tell us, yeah, yeah, of course they can ride a bike. And we get all the way through the process (laughs) and they get to set and they can't ride a bike. And that's the part where it's not the kid's fault because nobody probably told them and nobody took the time to teach them or maybe they did and it didn't work out. But now instead of filming a commercial on set, we're teaching a kid to ride a bike. And that's a far different task than the day allotted for, you know, you spend a lot of money on everyone's time. You have just a couple of hours of daylight to get something. And the time that's spent in accommodating people can be really uh, poorly managed. Yeah. Not not to mention the fact that there are the child acting laws. So you only have them for a finite number of hours in the day, right? Yeah. And it's such a hard business that in the the question you asked of, do you um, approach things from, are they kids or, you know, are they just tiny people? I really do treat everyone exactly the same. Like, I don't care if you're a celebrity. I don't care if you're a four-year-old kid who this is your first job. Everything is, let's just we're not curing cancer. Let's just move through this at a very entertainment level and have a light, fun day and get what we can get and move on. Because, you know, commercials are a six-week process, roughly. And television can be a little bit longer. Film is much longer than that. But it depends on on the process. And yes, there's a, a lot of rushing around during shoot days. But we still lead everything with kindness because there's everyone on set is still people. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Natasha. I want to welcome Leia to the stage. <laughs> Thank you so much, Leia. It was my 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 lifeline today because I did have a guest who backed out at the very last minute and uh, we had the show ready to go and it was yikes. It was a yikes moment. So Leia, you're a longtime television host, much like myself. Uh, you've been around the block. Nobody wants to hear me talk about it, but I would love for you to unmute yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, interviewing, the interview process of discussing uh, a, a film or a junket with sm- the smaller, the better. I recall being at E3 some years ago and the Olsen twins were there and I think, and they were being interviewed. I didn't interview them, but I was standing by as my co-host was interviewing them. And I remember just thinking, oh my gosh, these poor kids, they were 10 maybe. And, um, and being asked these very serious questions by big outlets. And I don't know, it just, it felt like something was being robbed. I told you, Leah, that I always got reamed from my producers being for being so warm and fuzzy and not asking the tough questions. Uh, but, you know, I want to be sensitive to the human experience. So yeah. tell us what, what you've witnessed as a television host around child actors. Yeah, Chris, thanks for having me. Um, I know you don't know me, so it's Leah. <laughs> I just wanted to clear oh, sorry. that up. <laughs> sorry. I know we just met, you know, 10 minutes ago. Um, as we, as I helped you get this put together, but you know what, you're, you're right. And it's the media tends to ask such personal questions and put people in these fish bowls and then they're viewed as, you know, people are viewed as not human so much as, as almost like a pet or as a hobby. And then everyone likes to talk about when they crash and when things go wrong, rather than this 
humanitarian perspective of we're all human beings and we're all in the same boat. Um, you know, and kindness goes a long way. You know, whether you're a celebrity or not, mental health is something that I feel it can go one of two ways. Either you're looked at as like this joke and you're put in this fishbowl kind of atmosphere, or you're looked at as the person that's down and depressed and nobody wants to be around that and nobody wants to talk to you. So then where does that leave you? You know, it, it, when you want to talk and you want to share what's going on with you, you don't want to be ridiculed. And you also don't want to seem to be, you know, the one that's always Debbie Downer. It's, it's a really tough place to be. And, um, you know, I don't have the answers, but I'm really appreciative of you having these kinds of conversations. I, there, it's a, an important discussion to have for sure. No question. Uh, Allison, I want to ask you, uh, you know, you're still active in entertainment. You're, I want to hear a little bit about your uh, music career coming up here shortly, but let's talk about that bubble that you get into. You started to talk about that when you were in Curly Sue. When you get to that, now you have, God knows how many, 15, 20, 40, 50 people whose paycheck is attached to you. And it is kind of personal because between the managers and the agents and all the assistants, between the casting and the other actors, that's a lot of pressure for a little kid to have to go through. Um, I imagine you're sheltered from some of it, but at the same time, to Leah's point, ha, to Leah's point, um, you get to this area where some people love you and some people hate you. So can you talk to me a little bit about what you feel you imagine uh, Britney Spears might have been going through? We are a little bit uh, more sympathetic to her these days because we're all more sensitive now. But a few years ago when she shaved her head and she kind of went off the deep end and TMZ was following her incessantly and just taking pictures of her through whatever means possible. Can you talk to us a little bit about what it's like to be more or less, you know, a, a statue behind glass when you're a celebrity. Sure. I mean, I definitely never experienced, you know, the type of uh, microscope, microscope uh, living as Brittany did, or you know, Lindsay Lohan, or or, or those girls. But um, but I, I definitely remember. Um, you know, like I used to dance, I was a competitive dancer and I went to like dance competitions and they would like, you know, bombard the studio, you know, the room and I would be signing autographs and taking pictures. And I think for a long time that was fine and it was fun. And then it starts to become not so fun. Um, and a little bit like daunting. Um, as far as like, you know, people, I, I, I don't think I had a very big team. I mean, yeah, agents, manager, maybe a, um, a teacher, um, you know, a set person, a, you know, person who took me to set or set sitter or whatever. My parents, um, you know, Brittany definitely. Well, I actually, I, I feel like her, her bubble was pretty small in the beginning, you know, really was just like her mom and her dad and, and Felicia, I think that really kept and Larry Rudolph that really were, were overseeing everything. But I, I think it, it's a bigger conversation of what happens sort of when you start to find fame and when you are in the spotlight and you're given all of these, you know, a lot of money and a lot of perks and, mm -hmm. um, 
And that's, I think, when things start to get a little funky, especially if you're a child who's being treated like an adult, expected to work like an adult, and then, you know, you're sort of like asked to make all these decisions. And it's cool for a while for you to be making all these decisions until you're, you you know, the people around you realize that you're still a child and that maybe your decisions aren't going to be that great. And then they start to try to control it so that they don't lose the control over, you know, all the good things that are happening, aka the money that's coming in and the perks. (laughs) I'll talk a lot about perks because I really think that that's part of the problem, you know? It's like we get <laughs> we get rich and famous and everybody gives us everything for free. It's sort of ass backwards, you know? Um, it, can I tell you something? I still have swag that's like 15 or 20 years old <laughs> because it was free yeah, and get, it was given to me yeah. and I, <laughs> I miss the swag. Yeah, the swag is good. Um, and you get addicted to the swag. And, and, <laughs> and, um, and there's also, you know, in, in my case, I would say, you know, certain things like a set sitter that wasn't the best influence was like a big beginner problem for, you know, certain things that happened to me um, when I was getting some, you know, when I was sort of getting into my more formative years and getting older and kind of starting to sort of run the show a little bit more um, Mm -hmm. where like, you know, I was, I came up with Macaulay Culkin and um, Christina Ricci and Gabby Hoffman and Thora Birch and uh, you know there was there was partying and stuff happening already quite early on and I can remember I had a lot of friends that danced for Britney and NSYNC and you know there was a lot of partying going on there early on because you know there could be and that and there was this ability to sort of have relief you know, and release after working a ridiculous amount of hours and doing shows and this and that. Nobody really wanted to say no to that because it was sort of deserved. But what happens, obviously, you know, same, it's Bieber syndrome and Britney syndrome. Mm -hmm. And it kind of happens with anybody who's in that position. It just sort of starts to take on um, a mind of its own. And I think that's sort of the beginning of the spiral. Yeah. Uh, Natasha, can you add anything to that? Yeah, I think Allison hit on two really great points there. And the first being expectation, like what we expect of anyone. And of course, every situation is unique. But what we expect of really anyone who's young in this field is astronomical, because I'm just so thankful that in Brittany's case, like social media really wasn't a thing, because in addition to being chased by the paparazzi constantly, she would have been hearing the comments constantly from people and there was a lot of pressure on her to be a certain ideal that we expected her to be a certain way because the media built up this image regardless of whether or not that was her or not we built up this image of her and then we as as people consumed that content which makes people money and then we they just kept making it and making it and they built up this persona of her and then when it didn't look the way we thought it was supposed to look we turned on her in an instant like shaving her head was something we never saw coming so we were like something must be horribly wrong and that's not all that is is breaking expectation and then uh Allison also mentioned the perks which I can attest are many and then the finances and if she's 
if she's financially supporting the people in her conservatorship, why would they end it? Like right. any anybody is not going to stop a gravy train and they've got their reasons I'm sure that go beyond financial. But as far as the outside can see, money is the only reason to stay in this because the rest of the world is turning on you. It finances have to be a, a major part of it. That's right. That's right. Leah, can you talk to uh, the audience a little bit about the media's role in all of this? Yeah, absolutely. I think what Natasha just said was really important, you know, as far as, you know, there was this image, you know, Brittany was, you know, we were talking about her virginity, you know, like, since when? When is that anybody's business, you know, but the individual's? You know, and, and the whole thing, you know, when she did break down and shave her head, I mean, I've heard it said a few times that if that was the worst that she did, I mean, let's talk about some of the male celebrities out there and how many second, third, fourth and fifth chances they've gotten, mm -hmm. um, you know, for numerous reasons, whether it be addictions or abuse or violence, um, you know, and, and Brittany kind of was like, you know, enough. And now, 13 years later, here we are finding out that she's basically been, you know, locked up having to work away, even when she may or may not want to keep working. And I think the media has a huge responsibility for that. You know, to that point, you know, Miley Cyrus was treated that way as well when she decided to break from the image that we knew of her. Maybe not to the extent. Um, maybe she had a stronger support system around her. I don't, I don't know her personally, but the media definitely plays a role in all of this. Definitely. Um, okay. You know what I'd like to do? I would, I'm trying to figure out if I should have, for sake of respecting your time, Allison, if you would please plug, uh, by the way, I believe congratulations are in order. You're expecting baby number three. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> the um, yay. Uh, so congratulations on that. And it tell Thank us a little you. bit about your music career. And then uh, Natasha can tell us a little bit more about what she's got going on. And then I'm going to open the floor to some questions here. Um, let's see. Well, my music career hasn't been very active in the last year or so. We've been kind of, uh, quiet in the house, but actually, um, I've been coaching. It's, it's interesting. We're having this conversation because I've been coaching, um, vocally a lot of young, uh, you know, Disney kids and dance moms, kids and this, that, and the other, and kids that are in the industry. And so I sort of, uh, started, a uh, vocal coaching company, I guess it is now um, during COVID. And so I've been working um, a lot with the youth that are in the industry and helping kind of guide them through all of this stuff uh, that we're talking about, make sure that they're staying, you know, down to earth and cool and collected. Um, I'm about to start working on Another album, trying to get one this done before the baby comes. Uh, I'm just of covers. I've always wanted to do a, a covers album. So that's next up on the horizon. And I have a show coming up in Hollywood, my first live show back since, um, gosh, March 2020, I guess. Fantastic. Um, and that's August 1st at the Bourbon Room in Hollywood. And you can check my Instagram or Bourbon Rooms um, website for info on that. Um, and I also wanted to say my, my, my baby daddy, um, <laughs> he actually went on tour with Brittany right after the shaved head whole 
all of that time. He was on the circus tour. It was his first major job. He's a, he's a dancer and he's danced for everybody. And he has a really interesting insight. I wish he was home because he would definitely be a good person to, uh, to bring on to this conversation. But, you know, I think, um, at the end of the day, knowing her and being kind of a part of the camp, he just wants her to be protected. Um, both emotionally and making sure that, you know, she, she's taking care of herself and he definitely doesn't think that Jamie Spears is the person to do that. So from someone that was, is, you know, has more of an inside look at things. Um, it's interesting to, to hear from him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope that maybe we'll have a follow-up conversation to this because the story is certainly not over at all. Natasha, what do you have coming up? Thank you. Yeah. It's funny. Cause, um, we're talking about expectations with what's expected of you and catering to that. Uh, I recently published my first book. Uh, should I, Chris, can I curse on here? Yes, go for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Love this title. I, I published my first book. It's called Shit Adults Never Taught Us. It's on <laughs> Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And uh, it's 98 chapters that are super short, like two, three pages each. And it's broken into sections of career and finance, relationship, mental health, and life, which is more miscellaneous. And the mental health, there's 30 mental health chapters. And many of them do touch on all of the times that I thought I was being authentic because I was catering to what other people wanted and showing up in a way that I thought was expected of me, suppressing emotions, just trying to be the good girl and do the things that I thought were needed. And then when I got fed up with that, the overcorrections that would happen and the lessons I had to learn the hard way through that, but figuring out that what really was the problem the whole time is I couldn't be what everyone needed. I couldn't be anything other than myself and learning to settle into that was such a journey. And I was in a long relationship that was the long, wrong relationship for me. And I was living in the wrong spot. And I was doing a lot of things that I thought were helpful to other people, but were hurting myself. And so I wrote a book about it. And I am releasing a podcast that's in conjunction with that, also called Shit Adults Never Taught Us in August. And other than that, work keeps me very busy. That is fantastic. That is great. Okay. I'm going to put links to everybody's info in the in that link that's down below. And I encourage our entire audience to please follow everybody on our panel today. Leah. I've always had this magical thing about just pulling together the right people at the right time, you know. Um, but, you know, like Allison said, this has been a biz uh, not a busy year, a very quiet year. Um, and so what I've been doing is I've actually been writing a lot of poetry. And so I just released my first poetry book. It's on Amazon. It's called Amicably Ever After, The Year I Grew Up. And there's an audio book on Audible. And then like I was mentioning to you, Chris, I've been doing, you know, a lot of hosting and voiceover work. And I'm looking to transition a little bit more into radio. So this was a serendipitous meeting. And you know, the universe does not lie, does it? All right. Well, my guests have been Leah Savoli, who is a television host, and Allison uh, Porter, who is also on Instagram. I'm going to put links in that cookie down below. Allison has been in many, many movies. And as we've learned, dozens and dozens of commercials. She won The Voice season 10, which is amazing. Look for her new album next year. I hope, Allison, you do some live streams on Instagram because I would love to hear you singing. Definitely. Um, 
that would be really great. And also, uh, Natasha, uh, thank you so much, Natasha Sattler, for coming on, actress turned producer as well. And Charlene, for Charlene Goto, my co-host slash producer of Text, Pros, and Rock and Roll, we are here every week. I hope you'll join us again. And with that, I will say have yourselves a great Saturday and enjoy what might be left of the birthday parties you have to enjoy today. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris. <laughs>